The Real Estate Sessions podcast is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising for real estate brilliantly simple. Promote your brands, promote your listings, learn more at adworks.com. That's A-D-W-E-R-X.com, adworks.com. I think that the new online relevance comes from um, sharing ourselves uh, in a platform that allows the consumer to really connect with us and kind of build that virtual relationship first Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Today on episode 46, Ryan Bocross of Bamboo Realty, part of the management team and runs the Houston operation for Bamboo, is joining us. Very interesting guy. He's got quite a background in the industry and now brings all of that knowledge to the industry by helping younger realtors uh, be successful in today's market. So welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, Ryan. Thanks, Bill. Excited to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, I've, I've enjoyed the podcast myself. I think I've caught pretty much every episode uh, so far. And so to be on here is truly an honor. Appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, first, a couple things before we get into what we're going to talk about today. I keep seeing these stories on the news about the it's I first thought it was just southeast Texas with the rain this spring but it's it, it's covering all different parts of the state what the heck is going on Yeah I don't know yeah. I wish I I wish I knew um I was in San Antonio yesterday and driving out on Tuesday uh in the afternoon I I went through probably a good 45 minute stretch of of literally not being able to see 10 yards in front of the truck. So uh, a bunch of us were pulled over to the side of the road yesterday on my way home last night. It was pretty bad. Um, this morning getting into the office was was brutal. Uh, we actually had a big YPN luncheon event um, scheduled here in Houston that we ended up canceling just because the weather was so bad this morning. We wanted to make sure that everybody stayed safe instead of having to drive into town. So um, I don't know. It's that yeah, we were we were praying for rain at a certain part of the year, um, and now we're just wishing that we could never see it again. <laughs> right. Yeah. So good luck with all of that. That leads me to the second thing I wanted to bring up before we got rolling. That is, last night we had the Astros feed for the uh, D-backs Astros game um, because the truck that was doing the broadcast work for the D-backs flooded out last night. Oh man. So, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, it's just, it's insane. And so having, you know, and since we're talking about baseball for a quick second, Ryan, I know you're a sports guy. You kind enough to join um, Sean and I on the stare downs that we do uh, every Sunday night. Uh, Zach Granke and uh, Dallas Kakel in a great matchup today. How'd that game go? Do we know the final score? Tonight? <laughs> I didn't think. see the final score. Oh, um, I did. I did. It was <laughs> three zip D-backs. So. <laughs> It was. Yep. Yep. So, it was. All right. So we, by the way, we pre-record these in advance. Uh, so those of you that are listening, wondering what are they talking about? The Astros are not playing the D-backs. Uh, they just finished a really we a weird series. They had two games in, in uh, Arizona and then they flew to Houston to play two games. I don't remember that happening. That's kind of odd. So yeah. I thought it was very odd as well. Yeah. I'm not sure what was, what the uh, thought behind that was, but uh, so be it. Making the schedule fit. That's probably it. So, yeah. well, enough of that fun stuff. And the Astros are on fire there. Um, I do want to point this out, though. I, I can't get away from this. They are young, talented, and I'm going to say this, Ryan, extremely cocky. 
<laughs> Am I right? You know, they are. They are, yeah. and uh, we're we're okay with that. Obviously, right. um, as you know, most fans of of their own sports teams are. They're, they're okay with some cockiness. You know, I think that as young guys, and and interestingly enough, I think this this very could um, easily translate into our real estate discussion. Is you know, I, I think that you have to have a certain level of confidence to play at that level um, at the age that some of these guys are playing and, and in order for them to really be able to um, you know to live up to their potential they've got to believe it in them and the, you know they've got to believe in themselves and believe that they are just as good as as the best in order to really compete and so I, I do love to see it I know some folks around the country kind of frown on cockiness especially out of um, you know young two three year into the league players, um, but I, I love it. I love seeing these young guys, you know, just puffing their chests out because they know that they are good and that they can go out and compete with anybody. And um, you know, maybe it comes out a little bit more than it should, or some people feel. Um, but confidence is a huge part of the game, and it's a huge part of you know, it's a huge part of real estate for new people and, and young agents. And so, I think it's I think it's great. Um, better than them just kind of tucking their their heads down and pulling their hats down low and, and, and just kind of playing along with the game. We talked a little bit before the podcast and it's like Seth Curry in Golden State, right? Golden State Warrior mm -hmm. fans love him. There's other people that think he's good, gets a little too crazy with some of his antics post shot and whatever. But I guess when you, right. when you can make 400 three pointers in a season, <laughs> you've earned the right to do whatever you want, I guess. Sure. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's, yeah, um, yeah. The way the podcast, uh, the real estate sessions works is I, I want to find out about you. Um, you know, we know about Bamboo Realty and what you've been doing there, and that's great. We're going to get there, but let's start. Let's go back to the beginning. First of all, are you a Houston native? Well, there's a saying in Texas and uh, Houston that I wasn't born here, but I got here as quickly as I could. <laughs> um, okay. So I was actually born in Pennsylvania, and at uh, just short of two years old, no, actually, just short of a year old, there was ironically uh, a flood in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, of 1977, and my dad worked for U.S. Steel in the steel mill, and he got laid off, got a job with Brown and Root here in Houston, and that's what brought us to Houston. So, 38 out of my 39 years on the planet, I have uh, I have lived in and around the Houston area. Because you're the first guest from the Houston area, let's find out a little bit about Houston. Um, give me. You know the, the the best thing about living in Houston, and maybe the worst thing about living in Houston. Um, I think you know the best thing about living in Houston, at least for me, is is just there's just so much diversity in what you can do here in the city. Obviously, it's a it's a huge city, um, and that will lead me into the worst part, which is is the traffic. Um, but the the best thing is that there's there's really anything that you want to do. Um, you can find it here. Uh, just down the street from our office is is one of the best museum districts in the country. Uh, we obviously have you know professional sports teams that are um, you know quality teams and fun to watch. Uh, theaters, you know the food here. We've been called the restaurant capital of the world. Um, it's it's just a great place for for diversity. We're also we've also been named the most diverse city in the world. So. You can um, you can literally walk a block and get Japanese, Indian, and uh, Mongolian food right. all on the same block, and that's that's what people uh, that's one of the things that people really truly love about Houston. Um, but yeah, the worst part is definitely the traffic, and you know sometimes the weather. <laughs> um, during the summer, it'll get really hot and muggy, 
and then when this rain kicks in. Now that it's it's kind of stopped raining here at the office, the sun will come out, uh, and it'll be a thousand percent humidity, oh, which will yeah. which will really suck. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the worst part. You you didn't mention the Houston rodeo, but I have I've yeah, been out there. <laughs> I've been out there twice to for uh, Fidelity National Financial events, uh, and both times it was during the rodeo, and both times we went. And as a kid who grew up in San Diego and now I live in Phoenix, I, that's just not part of my culture. But I can't sure. tell you how much fun that was. I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> it's a it's a huge event for sure. Yeah. I mean, people people live all year long for you know that two and a half week spread of of the rodeo. I mean, the cook-off is just a huge party. The city practically shuts down during cook-off, uh, and everybody's, you know, bouncing around from tent to tent, eating barbecue and, and drinking and listening to bands. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's the largest livestock show and rodeo in the world, and they donate uh, and raise just so much money for scholarships and charities through the rodeo. It's, uh, it's an amazing it's an amazing thing, not just the economics that it brings to the city, but the charity that goes along with it and the things that they do through that. Um, it's it's a huge it's a huge deal. Now let's go ahead. And we'll move uh, move into your timeline. You, I, I ask this question a lot, and I generally get the same answer. Um, we'll see if you're which how you how you fall. Were you thinking, you know, as you're finishing school and working your way through academia, that hey, I can't wait to get into the real estate industry? Was that your plan? <laughs> Absolutely not at all. Okay, so you're like everybody else. Tell me, tell me what yeah, you wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, real estate was um, was never on my radar, honestly. Um, I enjoyed the restaurant industry, and so I had actually started working in the restaurant industry when I was in high school, and um, you know, did some time in in college and um, partied a little too much in college and just couldn't find my groove as far as that went. So I kind of, you know, floundered around for a little bit and then um, became a manager at a restaurant here in Houston and kind of really enjoyed the restaurant industry. So um, right after I married my wife, I actually kind of fully committed to the restaurant industry and went to I uh, went back to school and I got my culinary degree, became the executive food and beverage director for the Woodlands Country Club um, oh. up on the north side of Houston. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the career path that I had chosen and was really enjoying it. The hours were brutal, um, but I had a lot of fun uh, running the club. What got me into real estate um, was, let's see, probably about a year and a half after I took over as the food and beverage director for the country club, Maggie's mom was diagnosed with um, with brain cancer and she was given about a year to live and she actually ended up living only about 11 months and she had four kids that she had adopted from Russia. Um, she was a single mom um, at this point in time. She was married when she adopted them but uh, the man she was married with, uh, married to gave up his parental rights in their divorce. So she was a single mom and uh, when she passed my wife and I took um, and and basically adopted these uh, four teenagers. I was pretty much living at the country club. Uh, I had a couch in my office, and you know I had 20-hour days often. Um, if if we had a golf tournament in the morning, I would be at the club at 5 a.m. If you know we always did lunch and dinner service, and then if there was any sort of a uh, wine dinner or any kind of special event in the evening, I would be there till you know midnight, one o'clock. And so there were times that I lived at the club, and once we got the four kids, we had one of our own, and Maggie was pregnant with our second, wow. and uh, due just two months after. So in the course of about three and a half months, we went from one to six. 
in our house. Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so I couldn't very well um, you put all of that on her and me still work my you know 68 hours at the club. So um, so I, I left the club and took some time off, obviously just to you know figure out what our new life was going to look like. And uh, one of Maggie's friends, who she actually did some work for prior to us uh, getting married, he was in the mortgage business. And he took us to dinner one night, paid for a sitter, said, you guys need a break. I'm going to take you to dinner. And at dinner, he said, what are you going to do with your life now? Um, I had no idea. I had actually kind of thought about going and getting my license to sell insurance or become a financial planner or something along those lines. Um, I minored in finance in college and so that was kind of the first place that my mind went and he said uh, have you ever thought about getting in the mortgage business and so the rest is kind of history from there he took me under his wing and uh, that was my entree into the real estate industry wow so you um, you spent a couple of years on the lending side is that correct I did it was probably about five or six years um, on the lending side and uh, during that time I originated I managed brokerages I uh, actually went into the wholesale side, so I was an account executive for one of the big name mortgage companies that is no longer around, uh, that went by the wayside during the crash. Right. So that was, yeah, I kind of did those, those three things in on, on the lending side and uh, really saw all different sides of the business there. You moved into the coaching technology kind of side of things is, um, right after that, is that correct? Yeah, you know, through my, uh, so when I was in the lending side, as an attempt to build relationships with um, with real estate agents and, and build referral relationships. I had started kind of teaching social media and technology stuff. I got involved with the uh, Women's Council of Realtors here um, in on the north side of Houston in the Montgomery County chapter. And through that, I had, um, you know, folks coming to me and asking me for advice if I would teach a class, if I would take them on as a, you know, personal client and coach them. So it really kind of just happened organically by me uh, just just personally doing some classes and sharing my knowledge and passion of, of technology in the industry um, is kind of where that tech and coaching part came came out of nowhere really. I did some of that so my after after I was um, kind of done with lending, I took about a year and a half and actually ran real estate operations for an oil and gas company um, and during that time is when I got my real estate license. I hadn't really planned on using it full time, but doing real estate on the oil and gas side, it was good for me to have my license. So I went ahead and got it during that time and um, still did coaching and some speaking um, and the tech stuff there and where that took off. It really came from just me offering help to folks. You're, you're with a company, I think, at that time and you're, you kind of, is that a company you started or were you um, working for someone else when you were kind of doing a lot of that coaching stuff? No, it was just something that I, yeah, it was just something that I started up um, cool. on my own. And so it was, um, it just kind of happened organically. I decided to go ahead and, and start um, start the company. And, you know, it, it didn't take off exactly as I had um, thought it would. But I think that was because I my, my real passion was somewhere else. And yeah. um, come to find out it, it was on the, the sales side of real estate. Yeah, I love to see this is a, um, Nicole Nicolay was episode 44 of the podcast. And this is someone who went from coaching um, and that technology side of things and decided, you know what, I'm going to go be a realtor because I know what to do. I've been telling these people what to do and <laughs> most of them weren't doing it. 
And so now right. we've got the same story here with you. And, and I think if you think about the, the, the circle here, you, you have Darren Persinger doing the same thing. And uh, mm-hmm. I love that, that it's like, put your money where your mouth is. And uh, so talk then about what, what happened that brought you, uh, you know, into the real estate side and which brokerage you ended up at first. Yeah, so I, um, the, the oil and gas thing was kind of coming to an end and wasn't exactly where you know I was feeling uh, fulfilled, if you will. So I, uh, I hung my license with a Century 21 office on the, on the, uh, in the Bay Area of Houston in Clear Lake and started selling there as my oil and gas job was coming to an end. And, um, you know, got a fairly good start and was enjoying the sales side, still doing some coaching and some, some tech stuff. And then um, kind of back closer to where home has always been, which is on the north side of Houston in the Woodlands and Spring area, uh, a Remax office up there um, came after me and asked me if I wanted to come on and take over as their uh, director of agent development and training uh, and help develop a full training program for for their office. So we moved from the Clear Lake area of Houston to back to the Woodlands, and I took over as uh, as that director of agent development and training for uh, Remax Northwest. Okay. So I was there for quite a few years. So that I'm, I've got to guess there had to be a lot of value um, going through the, the the career path you had. You had lending background, technology, management. You know, now you're an agent. I mean, th- that really had to be a great building this base of information and knowledge you could bring as, as someone that was training other agents. It, it was. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the interesting part about it is, you know, for anybody that really understands, um, you know, Remax's business model of old, it has been, um, you know, bringing in seasoned agents or legacy agents that have a good book of business, don't need a whole lot of support, perhaps don't even really care that Three, much about training. Two, um, and they, you know, they come and in. Thanks again, everyone, for checking out the Real Estate Sessions and, podcast. And work their business. We will be back so next week. It really was with another episode. Remember, they release every we were, Tuesday morning. We were one of the very and, first Remax uh, offices three, around two, to start offering a full And thank you all of, for listening. We will be back and next week as we are back every Tuesday morning. Obviously it In the meantime, so as we always say, keep writing your own story. Um, but on the flip side, it was it was interesting to see the dynamics of our Remax office change and get significantly younger as an office and um, bringing in brand new agents out of real estate school because we had um, this entire training program and beyond that we had all of the experience and the wisdom of you know agents that have been in the business for for decades um, as part of kind of that support system and training program that we built and it made a huge difference with our office um, numbers wise not just agent numbers but production numbers wise as well let's talk about now bamboo realty does what, how does this form and how are you, how do you get involved? Um, I'm, I'm assuming people knew who you were in the Houston area already. <laughs> and so uh, there was probably was some sort of recruiting going on, but how did that well, happen? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. So I, um, I left Remax and, and took a little hiatus from being in the brokerage and um, went back into the technology side of the business and actually working for real estate technology companies. So um, I worked for IDX Broker for a little while um, and then worked for a digital marketing company for a little while. And um, during that time, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and was it was something that I knew I wanted to try eventually was working on the technology side of the industry just to get a feel for it and, and, to, and to get that experience 
Um, I traveled a lot and spoke at a ton of conferences and met a ton of people, um, but I still felt like there was something missing, and it was it was me going back to to that that training aspect and to um, investing in real estate agents and their business every day. Um, on the technology side, you know, you kind of sell a product, you support the product, you see some folks every now and then, but you're not truly investing in them every day in their life and in their business. Right. So I was really missing that. Um, I had known Sarah Jones, who started Bamboo. Um, she started the company about six years ago. I've, I've known her now for about four years. As you're a big fan, I'm a big fan. We, surprisingly, being here in Houston together, we met in, uh, in New York at an Inman event. Ah, excellent. And Yeah, interesting, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, we had kind of known of each other, but really never had a chance to cross paths here in Houston. Uh, so just through the years, I've, I kept my eye on what they were doing because they, they were always doing something a little different, uh, fun, unique. Their branding always really kind of spoke out to me, um, again, just as, as being something different. I never truly understood the business model till I had a chance to get to know Sarah better. And so um, at the end of last year, through probably six to nine months of just kind of Facebook messaging back and forth, you know, what would it look like for us to, to work together? We decided to go ahead and do lunch, and within about 15 minutes of sitting down together, um, we realized that it was, uh, it was a perfect fit. So now you're with, uh, I'm going to call Bamboo a boutique brokerage. Can I do that? Can I get away with that? Sure. For them? Good. Sure. So, you know, <laughs> by the way, indie slash boutique brokerages, they are the thing. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I'm like, just, just follow in and talk about the difference between, I mean, you're coming from one of the biggest franchises in the world to a relatively small company. Talk about mm -hmm. what that's like. I, I had somebody ask me this question the other day, and I said, you know, it's it's kind of like before you get married, you have this ideal or perfect picture of what your spouse is going to look like, act like, you know, their personality, um, but there's still kind of that thing that you can't put your finger on until you actually meet that person. Um, that's kind of what it was like here. Uh, throughout my time in the industry, I've, I've really had a desire to help this, the next generation of the industry come in um, and find success and to um, really work with, you know, with, with younger agents um, and younger consumers as well. And, um, and Bamboo is, it, it's that. Uh, the business model provides a way for younger, newer agents to come in and um, really find success from the get-go. Um, and, and our target market, I won't even say necessarily that we specifically market to the younger um, the younger consumer, but I think just, just by default because of our business model, we attract the younger consumer. And so it's, it's something that has just become a perfect fit. And having Sarah at the helm uh, and, and really knowing her heart for the, for the business and for the industry and really kind of like we like to say, do real estate different. And, and we do. A lot of our agents wear, you know, chucks to the office and jeans and t-shirts and, um, you know, we're, we're really kind of outside the box. I, I love that. I love hearing, um, as uh, someone who's not a younger person, but trying <laughs> like hell to hold on to whatever I have left of feeling young, <laughs> always, always a huge fan of that part of our industry that we have forward thinking people who are, are trying to kind of break the mold a little bit. And I think that's great. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about 
you know, in your role with, with Bamboo, do you have to kind of sell the Bamboo culture to recruiting candidates? How, how is that handled? Uh, I do, yes. Um, but on the flip side, I, I think more so what we've got, and, and we've been really throwing this around since the first of the year because Bamboo has not really been in growth mode um, until I came on. They were really working on systems and processes and building the brokerage out to become scalable. Uh, now that we're kind of in growth mode, instead of really actively recruiting or building a recruiting strategy, we're more so focused on building an, uh, an attraction strategy. And so the idea of that is really just to, to build the culture, uh, put ourselves out there, and continue to have success in the marketplace that attracts the right kind of people to come to us. And we see that, and it's happening. Um, we're, you know, we're attracting newer agents, again, right out of uh, real estate school, and then, of course, other agents that are in the market seeing what we're doing and, and knowing that we're different um, have an attraction to you know, doing real estate different uh, and, in, and in new, fun ways. And so it's really more so of an attraction strategy than it is a recruiting strategy. Sounds like much of what you've probably been teaching agents to do for the last five or six years. Right? It's not push, push, push. <laughs> pull, pull, pull. And that's great. It is. It is, it is, you know, and, and because what we do is different, um, you know, we, we do a lot of rentals and in the, uh, in the industry, you know, uh, rentals are kind of looked at as a, it's, it's, it's not what most real estate agents think about when it comes to how to build a successful business. Um, but that's really what we, that is a big part of our strategy and it's really why we're successful. Um, we're willing to take on a certain part of the market that, vast majority of real estate agents aren't willing to take on. They either see it um, as something that's below them or just they don't understand that you actually can make money uh, doing rentals. And so, you know, we've got our, our business model set up. I mean, for example, we have an agent in our office now who is a little over a year and a half in the business, but his first year in the business, he did 100 leases and um, six sales transactions. Um, his six sales transactions alone are, are more than your typical first-year realtor. But what his 100 leases did was provide him about $150,000 income his first year in real estate, which is absolutely unheard of in the industry. Um, but what it also did is it gave him a database of 100 people to start his second year in real estate working off of, yeah. um, which again is unheard of in the industry. So with our, our ability to, to leverage that market, um, and yes, we're, we're blessed to be in, in Houston where rentals are lucrative. Um, properties are paying really good commissions. And, um, you know, we've, we've got a, a system and a strategy built on how to do that. So it's, it's easy for, I say it's easy. You have to do the work, but it, it's not as hard as it is in the rest of the industry if you open your mind to taking a look at this avenue and getting started in the business. Yeah, you know, I'm talking about a built-in pipeline. If you manage that the right way, that's great. Um, yeah, you build, you build a sustainable business that way. You, yeah. know, you, get three years, you get three years into the business and you have four or 500 people that you've actually done business with in your database. That's, that's building a sustainable business model. Now, you started in Houston. The company, the company started there. and It's now got offices in Dallas and Fort Worth. And that makes sense to me. Texas is Texas, and that's all mm -hmm. good. But uh, you also have opened branches in their offices in Denver and Raleigh, North Carolina. So this growth mode you're talking about, it's, it seems like it's working. It, it is. Uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, Zach Shabbat in Raleigh, North Carolina, who had um, Go Realty out there, mm -hmm. who they ended up doing a, uh, an acquisition, a merger and acquisition with Better Homes and Gardens. 
about a year and a half ago, Zach Shabbat joined Bamboo as our executive vice president, um, or as we call him, our Sherpa. Um, <laughs> Makes sense for Zach, yeah. <laughs> it does, absolutely. Um, so he came on and obviously working on a corporate level to help us with a bunch of uh, you know what I said, working on building those systems and processes and, and becoming a scalable business model. Uh, he also opened up the Raleigh Market um, brokerage. So uh, we now have uh, three agents out there in Raleigh. And um, Denver is, is also very interesting. So Sarah is from the Denver area. Uh, she's got family up there and that's where she went to college and, um, and, and spent many years up in the, in the Denver area. And so naturally that, that kind of worked. Her brother uh, came on board and helped open Denver and then her husband Brian um, kind of commuted for about a year to get that started. So um, he was licensed up there and, and commuted back and forth from Houston to Denver and ultimately their goal was to uh, move back to Denver one day uh, if they ever found somebody to come in and take over uh, the Houston office. So. Um, beginning of 2016 enter Ryan Bocross <laughs> and, uh, and so just last week Sarah and Brian um, picked up and moved to uh, moved to Denver so they're going to take over um, building out the Denver office really the whole idea was to get Sarah out of operations because um, like you said we, we're, we're, we're building to, to scale and so expansion is um, on our mind and we're looking at other markets that the bamboo business model would work in and, and so that was a big part of getting Sarah out of day-to-day -day operations so that she can focus on on that. Excellent. Talk, uh, talk about the charitable aspect that Bamboo has in their operation. I find that intriguing. How did that, how did that get started? Um, you know that's that's a it's a really good question um, you know because Bamboo is, is obviously we, we do things different and so one of the things that we felt uh, was very important, I say we, when, when Sarah and Brian started the company, uh, one of the things that was, was really on their heart was to, um, you know, just take the blessings that they were given through being able to start a successful company uh, and using some of that for good. So, um, you know, they became linked up with some, uh, some local charities, some larger charities around the, around the world. And uh, so, uh, you know, a certain portion of every um, residential sale or lease that the company does um, is, is contributed towards one of those charities that, uh, that we work with. I think the most recent one that we uh, partner with is a maternity center in Haiti. And so what they do is really try to help um, prevent expected mothers from aborting um, and, you know, help them find medical care and support and you know a safe sanitary place to live and have their babies so that they don't um, go through the struggles that you can go through in a in a place like Haiti where there's not a whole lot of opportunity for care and you know clean safe environments that's really the lifeblood behind it is you know we we are blessed in this industry and um, especially here you know being in the states and being in Houston is we, we run across things that Folks around the world wouldn't even, you know, they wouldn't even, they couldn't even imagine um, living the kind of life we do. So it's an opportunity for us to just really perhaps take ourselves down a level for just a moment and realize that we have the opportunity to bless somebody else. That's awesome. I want to leave some, some great ideas for the people that listen to the podcast. And we have some newer agents that listen trying to pick up these tips from 
from uh, the wonderful guests we've been able to line up. And, and Sean Carpenter, you know, you know Sean well. <laughs> he got a special question for you here. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to credit him. And, and I'm going to ask you on Sean's behalf, you know, let's talk about realtors that are using technology today. Um, mm -hmm. How does an agent practice online relevance? And mm. he told me to drop that phrase on you. So. <laughs> you know, it, it's it is it is a broad question, and I and I think there's a there's a bunch of different aspects to to that. Um, for a long time, I think realtors relied from a technology standpoint and to to try to remain relevant online through you know having listings on their website. Um, and, and you know maybe like pay-per-click ads and some different things like that. Um, nowadays, I, I think it's I think it's actually easier than it's ever been because of the availability of social connections through you know Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever it may be. Um, so I, I think practicing online relevance doesn't it have anything to do anymore with um, with the product that we sell, which is you know homes or apartments or um, you know the four walls that we sell. Um, I think that the new online relevance comes from um, sharing ourselves uh, in a platform that allows the consumer to really connect with us and kind of build that virtual relationship first to know who we are, what we're really about, um, and even so, what our businesses look like. Uh, you know, I think that's something again that really kind of separates some of our agents because we're not pushing so much this 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 big message of uh, home ownership and this is the only way to really do it um, you know our message is we love you and we want to take care of you no matter what your definition of home is and so we see a lot of our agents have success online um, because that's their message they're not building a wall they're they're actually connecting um, and and doing something a little different to tell the consumer that you know we're relevant to you whether you're going to buy a house or not um, you're going to have to have a roof over your head and we're here to help you. So I think in, in today's world and technology, online relevance has way less to do with the product and way more to do with our ability to, to make connections and build relationships uh, through the technology that is available to us. So if Sean was here, he'd say something like, it sounds like you're having fun solving problems and building relationships. <laughs> building relationships, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Throw that out there. It was just teed up too nicely. You're uh, you're involved at the NAR uh, national level with YPN, correct? I am. Yes. Tell me tell I'm... me about that and what's what happens uh, with YPN in, in terms of kind of helping members. Yeah, I got involved with YPN uh, more so here on a local level in Houston back when uh, probably about four or five years ago, and um, I, I really saw the benefit of putting a bunch of um, you know, and and unofficially, you know, the, the number is uh, is 40, right? The 40 and under crowd. Um, but there was so much power in putting together folks that were my same age, going through some of the same things business-wise um, as I was going through and, and having to, um, you know, if you want to use the relevance term again, is kind of building my relevance in the industry as a young person, right? The average age of a realtor uh, up until this year has been close to 60 years old. Now we're closer to 50, which I think tells us a little bit more about, um, I, th I think it's it's in direct relation to the ability for YPN to uh, to help push our, put them, push the message that you can be 
um, young and have success in real estate. So, you know, YPN, um, at a national level, what we really focus on and what we want to do um, is, is build more of a support system for the state and local networks to have that success. Because if you can get your, uh, your young professional realtors together on a local level, uh, there's so much power there because of the support. Again, a lot of them are, are going through the same things. They're experiencing the same things as a young realtor. Some of them have been in business longer than others, and, you know, and, and some are, are super brand new to the industry. Um, but really, I, if, if I were to simplify it, I would say it's a, it's a support group for the next generation of real estate. Awesome. Because so many guests on the podcast did not think of real estate as a career when they were young. Um, mm -hmm. Being able to deliver that message possibly uh, to, uh, I put it this way, I'm seeing more and more people come out of college today who have decided, no, this is where I'm going. I see opportunity here, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my mark here. And I think YPM would love to see more of that. Absolutely. And that's the big thing of it is you're, you, know, you are coming into the industry and you're, you're starting a business. You're building a business. Yeah. Um, and there's so many examples of successful, you know, Realtors under the age of 40 again whether they have been in the business just for a couple of years or if they've Been in the business or in the industry like me for almost 13 now um, it, There's still challenges that go along with being a young entrepreneur and I think YPN really wants to provide some of that support and education uh, The networking opportunities that really kind of help bring that segment of the industry together um, and 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 show them that this is this is absolutely a viable career, a viable business for somebody our age. Well, Ryan, we've had you way too long. Let me uh, let me give you the final <laughs> question that I give. And it's not because of the Astros or anything. Uh, let me give you the <clears throat> yeah, Perea. He's going to be a stud. Um, what, oh, man. What, what piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started in the business? This is our signature final question, and I love to hear the different answers I get from all around the country. Yeah, I had uh, I knew this was coming, and so I had kind of thought about it, and and I've and I've been mulling it over um, because I think there's so much advice that can be given to a new agent just getting started in the business. Um, but honestly, I think we just hit on it a second ago in saying that um, if somebody that's new coming into the industry takes a look at what they are about to do as a business startup, and that they are they are starting a business. Um, and they're not just going to be, you know, a car salesman selling a product. Um, they're starting a business and they're becoming an entrepreneur. And if, if they can simply start with that mindset and then move on from there and say, okay, so as a business owner, what steps do I need to do to build my, um, my marketing budget? All of the different things that an entrepreneur has to build, right? What's my overhead? What are my, what are my outgoing and, and incoming costs? And, and my profit and loss and these different things. So that, that, would, that would be my first and foremost, my piece of advice would be look at this as a, as a business startup when you're coming in. Um, and your brokerage is going to be kind of your, your, uh, your mentor, your, your partner in helping guide you through your business startup. So um, have that mindset and then find a mentor or your, you know, your business startup mentor, your broker, that aligns with what your business model or what your business plan is going to look like. Uh, I think if you start there, uh, you have a much higher opportunity for success in a long-term career in real estate.
well, Ryan, 45 episodes before you, and you came up with something different. And I loved it. <laughs> That's great. Well done. If people want to reach out and get in touch with you, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, I am uh, I am pretty much at Ryan Bocross everywhere online. Um, R-Y-A-N-B-O-K-R-O-S. That's you know Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I think maybe Snapchat's the only one that's a little different. That's just that's R Bocro. So I, I I dropped the S off of my last name. I'm not quite sure why it was something different. Um, but yeah, or just just Google Ryan Bocross and you can you can find me. I'm easily available. Or Ryan at BambooAgents.com. Ryan, thank you so much for spending time here on the podcast today. I can't thank you enough. And will you be in San Francisco for Inman? Absolutely. Um, I yes, absolutely. Well, I guess by the time that this uh, podcast releases, it's okay for me to say that I've been chosen as a uh, as an Inman ambassador for San Francisco again, and uh, that's always a huge honor. So I will absolutely be in San Francisco with bells on. Excellent. I will see you there. Thanks a lot, Bill. I appreciate it. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.